Well, again, great to see you today. I know some of you are like, I'm not even sure why I'm in a church. Well, well let me tell you something. When, when you come, you're putting God first. You're here to worship, to worship corporately, to get your spirit fed. Right? And we want you to be building relationships and serving. You know, uh, we're, we're so glad for everybody that's online. But, you know, there's some things that you can do online. There's some things that really you need to be physically present for. So I just want to say I'm so glad that you're here putting God first today. Now, next week, Jeannie's going to be back up here with me. But tonight, we're going to be praying for the sick. And I wanted to lay a foundation about healing before we do that in the evening service. Now, first of all, I just want to say I surely don't know it all, right? Uh, I still have questions, you know, but we're growing, we're learning, we're studying, we're meditating, and uh, we're just learning more and more. Now, whenever you talk about healing, somebody wants to know, well, what about doctors? Well, well first of all, the Bible says that a merry heart does good like a, like a medicine, right? Well, we're, we're definitely not against doctors. In fact, Proverbs in the Amplified Translation, it says this. It says, he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. In other words, yeah, go get all the help that you can, right? We're not against doctors. The Bible calls Luke the beloved physician. I mean, it wasn't saying what he was doing was wrong, the exact opposite, right? We're for doctors, we're for medicine, we're for nurses, right? But there is divine healing, right? And, and that, by the way, that's even better. That is even better. Now, some people think, well, this is just kind of really like a little side issue. But if you look at Jesus' ministry, Jesus really only did three things. He would preach, he would teach, and he would heal the sick. There are 47 different times mentioned in the gospel Right? where Jesus heals two or more people, whether it's two or a multitude, right? 47 different times, plus 17 different individuals that are mentioned. Now, every time Jesus sent someone to preach the gospel to the 12, he said, go and preach the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick. To the 70, go and preach the kingdom of God is here and here and heal the sick. To the church, well, the fact that, fact, according to Mark's gospel, Jesus' last words were, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And of course, in the book of James, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's forgiven, if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. So we just kind of want to lay a little foundation this morning. And we want to start in Isaiah chapter 53. 701 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah, so to speak, looked through a prophetic telescope and he saw Jesus go to the cross and he writes about it. In fact, Isaiah 53 is often referred to as the redemption chapter. And he wrote in the third verse, he was despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, we esteemed him not. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. Now in the fourth verse, it mentions griefs 
and sorrows. In other places in the Old Testament, even in the King James Version, it's translated differently. But a number of other translations translate this a bit different. Let me give it to you here. Dr. Isaac Lesser. Now, this is actually the official uh, Jewish translation. It says, but only our diseases did he bear himself and our pains he carried. Basic English, but it was our pains he took and our diseases were put on him. Another, surely our diseases did he bear, our pains he carried. Ross translation, yet surely our sicknesses he carried. As for our pains, he bare the burden of them. Smith translation, yet it was our sickness that he bore, our pains that he carried. And of course, the King James in verse 5 says, by whose stripes were you were healed. Dr. Lesser says, through his bruises was healing granted to us. And by his stripes, there's healing for us. Moffat translation, the blows that fell on him have brought us healing. By his stripes, by the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Another translation says that healing is made available to us. So there's a lot of different controversy among people. Should it just say sicknesses, diseases, or as the King James says, should it simply state their griefs and sorrows? Well, well, fortunately, we can actually let God translate it himself, give us his own interpretation, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit who breathed this word gives us his, his own translation of what it should be in Matthew chapter 8 in the New Testament. It says, when evening had come, they brought unto him many who were sick, were, were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirit with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And at least somebody would say, well, this is just spiritual stuff. We see that the people that were brought, they had physical problems, physical sicknesses, physical diseases. Now, this is part of the atonement. At the same time that Jesus took our sin, he paid and made healing available to us. As it says in Psalms 103, he forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Right? It's available to us today. Now, in Matthew chapter 8, uh, Jesus has just finished the greatest sermon that was ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7. And as he's coming down from that mountain, the Bible says a great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, again and again, we see how Jesus, he would heal multitudes. Again, 47 different times in the four Gospels, it mentions Jesus healing two people or literally huge, great multitudes of people. Right? But there's only 17 instances of the tens of thousands of people that Jesus healed where it just gives us the individual person's story. In each one of these, God's trying to show us a tremendous truth about his will, about redemption, about healing. So this leper comes and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Well, theologically, multitudes of people are in the exact same place. Many, many people, they think, you know what, God, 
I know he can heal me. He can do anything. I mean, he created the universe. My goodness. He can do anything. It's not a problem. But I'm just not sure he wants to. You know, maybe, maybe there's some reason for this. So Jesus is in front of this man, and he's going to answer the question. Now, if you have the same question, I know you can, but I don't know if you want to, Jesus is going to answer it for you. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. My favorite translation, Jesus said, of course I will. Of course I will. And immediately touches the man, and he is clean. Now, in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, there's a quote from the book of Psalms. And it's a really interesting one because this is Jesus talking in heaven before he comes to earth. Right? And uh, this is what he says. Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. So Jesus is about to leave heaven and he's saying, look, I'm coming down to earth and the reason I'm coming is to do your will. In other words, everything Jesus did was God's will. Right? So when Jesus healed that leper who had the question, I know you can, I just don't know if you want to, he was doing God's will. In fact, when we look at Jesus, we can see God's will. In Hebrews chapter 1, it says he is the sole expression of the glory of God. How many of you have known a Christian or two that you were disappointed in? How many of you have known a pastor or two or a preacher or two that you've been disappointed in? Right? And I know people who say, well, I can't, I'm, not, I'm just giving up on that Christianity. Look at them. Listen, he, Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. Every person is going to miss it. But Jesus is the sole and perfect expression of God. And he is the perfect imprint the very image of God's nature. One translation says he is a mirror reflection. I love that. In other words, if you want to know what God's like, just look at Jesus. Because he is the perfect expression. Nobody else is perfect. He is the sole expression of the glory of God. Okay, so, so what's God's will? Look at Jesus. You got that question? I know you can. I don't know if you want to. Look at Jesus. Jesus answers that question, and the answer is yes. Yes. Right? Then it says in, in the third verse, it says, And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After Jesus had obtained, Hebrews says, a complete redemption. Right? Now, when the Bible says complete redemption, that means God did not leave anything out. Everything is included. It's complete redemption. And when he did that, he sat down. Now, Jesus did not sit down because he was tired. Right? Sometimes I get done with service, I go back in the green room, and I go, oh, I'm tired. All right? But Jesus did not sit down because he was tired. Right? Jesus sat down because he was finished. He sat down because everything that needed to be done was done. Right? That's why he sat down. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So your amount of grace, your amount of peace, it's connected to your knowledge 
of God and of what Jesus did for you. Listen to verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now, it says that his divine power has given to us. That is past tense. That's past tense. So that means, and it's, it's things that pertain to life and godliness, natural life, spiritual life. He's, he has given all things. In other words, the work is already done. Now, th- if, if you can grab a hold of this, this will absolutely change your thinking when it comes to prayer. Right? Because here's what we do. We go to God and we say, oh, God, save Billy, save Mary, save Marjorie. God, deliver them. Now, like, what do we want God to do to save them? Like, send Jesus to the cross again? Because everything that's needed for them to be saved is already done, right? It's finished. It's like if you walk into your house at midnight and you go, why is it so dark in here? Why is it dark? Well, because you haven't turned the switch on. The problem is not with the electric company. The problem is with you. The problem's with me. We haven't hit the switch, right? Listen, God has already provided for everything that you need and I need for our regular, daily, normal life and our spiritual life. But it's through the knowledge of him. If you don't know about it, you can't flip the switch on. Right? You see, the, the, the switch is the faith switch. Right? And you've got to be able to turn that switch on. So Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying for the church. And again, he prays different than what you and I would probably pray. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So instead of praying, God help him, God bless him, God do this, God do that, that's not how Paul prays. Paul prays and said, God, they need to have some revelation about what you have already done for them. So he says, the eyes of their understanding or their spirit being enlightened or opened. He said, they need, to, they need to see some stuff in the spiritual realm. They need to have the eyes of their spirit open so they can know what you've already done for them. Now, you may know the hope of his calling. What is your purpose? And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What has Jesus provided for you? And get this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? according to the working of his mighty power that he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he's saying this. He said, we need a revelation of the power that is his here, King James, towards us who believe. The Amplified says, his power in us and for us. We need a revelation of what's already on the inside of us. What has God already done? What's he already deposited? It's saying here, that available to us is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Johnston's translation says, 
that you will be aware of the incredible, immense strength which is available to us. Noli's translation, and how immeasurable is his power in us who believe. Another translation, the limitless scope of his power at work in us once we believed. So he's saying, look, we need a revelation of what God has already done, the power he's already made available to us. We don't need God to do something more to heal us, to deliver us. What we need to do is we need to get a revelation of what he's already done and the power that's already at work in us. We need to find out how to turn the switch on. Get that faith switch on so we can have a revelation and tap into what's already ours. Ephesians 1, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, everything you need, everything You've already blessed with it in the spiritual realm. But what you've got to do is you've got to turn the faith switch on and bring it out of that spiritual realm into the natural realm. Now, we all know it's true concerning salvation. We all know God doesn't need to do anything else to save any of our relatives, any of our friends. What they've got to do is they've got to reach out and they've got to receive it by faith. Turn that switch on. But it's not just true concerning salvation. It's true concerning everything that we receive from God. He has obtained a complete, a full salvation for us. That's why he sat down, because he's done. He's done. And it's what we need to do is get the revelation, and we need to turn that switch on so we can receive what God wants us to have, what's already been provided for us. Now, when it comes to healing, when God doing something supernatural, there are many people, many of us that are here today, we were taught, well, God stopped all that. In fact, this is the, the, the common line, the days of miracles are over. Well, some people say when the Bible came or when the last apostle died, but there never was a day of miracles. There was only a God of miracles. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in Jude, verse 3. Now, this, the, the, the last book in your Bible is the book of Revelation. And there is a little bitty book right before that called the book of Jude. It's just one chapter. And here's what he says in the third verse. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. So he talks about our salvation. He calls it common salvation. Now, it's not common in its quality. Right? In the book of Hebrews, it's called so great a salvation. But it's common because every single person who becomes a believer in Christ, everyone receives the same salvation. I want you to picture it like this. That when you come to Jesus and receive him, he gives you a package. And it's a salvation package. Now, the package that you receive is no different than the package anybody else received. It's a common salvation because everybody receives the exact same package. Now, anything God is ever going to do for you is in that package. And if it's in your package, it's in somebody else's package. In fact, if you ever see God do something for somebody else, it came out of their package. And if it was in their package, it's in your package. 
because it's a common salvation. Nobody got something from God when they got saved that you did not get. What became available to them is available to you. So, so Jude is writing here, and he says, he says, I had to write to you about this. He says, I found it necessary to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. This is what he saw coming. He saw that in the centuries, people were going to begin to say, well, God doesn't do that anymore, and that's not for you anymore, and you can't have that anymore. But look what he said. He said the faith was given once. For how many? For all. In other words, God didn't go 100 years later, well, I'm going to stop this, and I'm not going to do this anymore, and oh, that healing stuff, that's done, and the miracle stuff, that's done, and the blessing stuff, that's done. No, 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 no. It was given once for all. Right? So he said, look, you're going to have to contend. You're going to have to fight for this because what's going to be out there is there going to be, there's going to be this thing out there that says, well, you can't have that no more. It's done. Can't have it. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in Acts, and in Romans, and Corinthians, and Galatians, and Ephesians, what you find in the New Testament, that's the faith that was once given for all. If Christianity does not look like what it used to look like, it isn't that Christianity has changed. It's that we aren't believing it the same. We're not receiving it the same. Somebody says, well, maybe God doesn't want to heal me. You know, I've been prayed for, and I just haven't gotten anything. And maybe God just doesn't want to heal me. I mean, I've been prayed for 16 times, and and I've had all my friends praying for me, and and I've been on a prayer list, and and I just haven't gotten healed. Well, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he does, there's a multitude with his disciples. And there's a man who's brought an epileptic son. And he brought this son to Jesus' disciples. And the disciples ministered to him, but there was no freedom that came at all. So when he had come down to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic. He suffers severely. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. So Jesus is identifying the problem here. And he says, faithless and perverse. Faithless and perverse. Faithless, really, we can say kind of like this. They're not connected enough to God. And perverse, they're too connected to this world, too connected to the world, not connected enough to God, all right? Jesus answered and said, faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, one of the other gospels brings this out. Jesus said to the father, he said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And his father cried out, he said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. So so here's what he's saying. He's saying, I got some belief, but I've got some unbelief. All right? Now, now what often happens is this. There's a part that's believing. There's a part that's not believing. And and they kind of like cancel each other out. All right? They'll cancel each other out. You know, when when, when you pray for people, 
Here's what, here's what, 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 what I've seen over, over 40 years of, of, of ministering to people is with some people, it's like they've got the brakes on, right? There's, there's this unbelief and it's like brakes. And, and you're, you're, it's kind of like you're trying to push them towards something, right? But, you, but like they got their brakes on. They got this unbelief thing going on and, and then you're, you're pushing and you just don't get anywhere, right? Then there's other people, they're like in neutral, Okay. And, 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 and you kind of got to push them along and you, you're like, I'm trying to push you and you hope you can push them, you know, believe with them and, and get, get, them, get them there. And then there's other people, they're like going with you. All right. Because they've got, they've got that faith thing on, they've got that, that, that unbelief thing out. So Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, be moved from here to there. It'll move. Nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. This kind of unbelief doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. Now, notice the disciples were not able to deliver that boy. Does that mean it wasn't God's will? No, it was God's will. Jesus came and there was deliverance. Now, the Bible makes this statement. It says that Jesus, he has the spirit without measure, implying every one of us, we have the spirit with measure. Now, because I pray for somebody or anybody else prays for somebody and they don't receive healing, that does not mean it's not God's will. Jesus came and showed us it was God's will. Right? But we need, to, we need to keep growing. We need to keep believing. We need to get the unbelief out. And we need to get the, the, the perverseness out, the connection that we have, you know, to, to our culture, which is anti-God. Right? And uh, we, need, we need to get the kingdom on the inside. Now, in closing, one of the things that I've heard many times, somebody said, well, this is just my cross. This is just the cross that that I'm carrying. Jesus said, he said, if you want to be my disciple, anyone who desires to be my disciple and come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And this, people will say, this is my cross. This is my cross to carry. In uh, 1980, Jeannie and I were living in Mexico in an Indian village. And I got an invitation to go on staff at a Bible college in, in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. And so we moved about 360 miles from where we were in this Indian village over to Guadalajara. And I began to teach. In this school, we rented a house and got our furniture over. And we thought, man, this is great. Everything's going good. I, I've been, I've been uh, on staff teaching for about 10 days. When I got invited, to the director who was also the president of the school. I got invited into his office. And it didn't take me long to figure out things were not good. Right? It was like he was sitting behind his desk right here. And then all the other staff were in a horseshoe like this. And there was a chair right in front of his desk. And that was, that was my chair. <laughs> and uh, they put me in the chair and, and, and uh, he says, you know, we, we've called you here because we have a problem. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm clueless. I'm like, well, what's the problem? He said, well, you in one of your classes, you mentioned healing, that God wants to heal. And he said, uh, 
we don't believe that. And I said, well, the the Bible says in Psalms 103, uh, in in the Bible says over here in Isaiah 53, and the Bible says in in Matthew chapter 8, and the Bible says in James 5, he says, we don't care what the Bible says. He said, we don't believe that. He says, now we've got a problem. He says, and if you keep that up, he said, you are going to be dismissed. And I said, but the Bible, he said, we don't care. So I went home with Jeannie and I said, we're in trouble. Because <laughs> now, now they didn't pay us anything. And I said to Jeannie, I'm about to get fired from my volunteer job. <laughs> when they fire you from your volunteer job, all right, you are in, you are in bad, that is bad. All right. And we had just signed a year contract and like, what in the world are we going to do? You know? So we prayed. And, and I just got an idea, just an impression to go and talk to the director. He lived about a mile away from our house. And uh, he wasn't a real early riser. He was kind of a late riser. So, so I just got this, this idea, like stop by his house as you're going into the school in the morning and just talk to him. Just have a cup of coffee. So uh, I, I would stop by and he'd just be getting up and just getting his coffee. And, and we would sit down and have coffee. And it had been about five or six weeks I've been stopping by a couple times every, every week. And I stopped by, it was a Thursday morning. And we started to talk a little bit about healing. And he brought this scripture up. No, he said, Jesus said, if you desire to come after me, he says, you need to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross. And some people, their cross is sickness. Some people, their cross is poverty. Some people, their cross is an addiction. He said, some people, their cross is this dumb, bad marriage. And some people, da, 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 you know. And, and, and I said to him, I said, look. I said, only Christians have crosses. You pick up your cross when you come to Jesus. So a cross has to be something that non-Christians don't have and Christians do have. Non-Christians have sickness. They've got disease. They've got depression. They've got addiction. They've got all of the stuff you're talking about. I said, that can't be the cross. And, and I said this to Jeannie that, that night when I got home. I said, when I began talking, I said, it was just like the Lord just filled the room. In fact, the words I used to Jeannie, I said, you could cut the Holy Ghost with a knife. Uh, so, 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 listen, I'm talking. He grabs a piece of paper. He starts crying. He's just bawling. And he's writing all this stuff down. All right? So we get done. We pray. I go to work. I don't think anything of it. That Thursday night, there was a service because there's also a church that met at the school. It was a small auditorium, probably 300 people. It was a full Thursday night service. And he takes the notes from that morning. I don't know how he read them because they're all wet, you know, <laughs> all smeared, you know. And he takes those notes and he starts preaching from those notes. Well, there is a lady in the back who'd been in a wheelchair for four years. Several doctors have said, you are never going to walk again. And she, had just, she, was, she told everybody, this is my cross, this is my cross, this is my cross. And if she realized that wasn't her cross, she just said, well, God wants me well. I believe I'm healed. And she stood up. She got behind her wheelchair. She pushed it. She took it down the aisle. Put Mr. Director in the wheelchair and walked him around the church. Listen. We did not, we did not get fired. We did not get fired. You say, what is that cross? The cross is to do God's will for your life. Everybody's cross as a Christian is different. 
But it's something that you have when you come to Jesus, you pick up that cross. And it's no longer what I will, it's but what he wills. That's why we call him Lord, King, because we're not in charge. Once we come to Jesus, he's in charge. All right.